You feeling ready? I'm ready. All right, we're <laughs> going to start recording in three, two. Hey, everybody. I'm Naomi Sedani, and I'm the founder of Little Denty Pediatric Dentistry here in Darien, Connecticut. Come join me along for the ride and see how it unfolds. This is the making of Little Denty. What's up, Naomi? How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. I think the last time, I don't know if we spoke about it on the podcast or not, but you were about to leave to meet. What were you about to do? I was going to San Francisco uh, for the first time in a while. I was going to meet some friends, meet my boyfriend's family and friends as well for the first time. So there was that fun thing in the midst of basically a rainstorm happening in San Francisco. How did that go? Break break it down to us, everything, like as far as the rainstorm. I know you went to Napa too, but at the same time, um, how was it meeting your boyfriend's parents for the first time? It was awesome, actually. They are such absolute sweethearts and like so welcoming. When I landed, one of my best friends from college lives out there and I hadn't seen her new home um, that she bought during COVID. So it's been a few years since I've been out there, spent the evening with her. And then the next like 36 hours spent with him and his family. It was a lot, like just in terms of like 36 hours straight, but they were just like absolutely delightful. Some of the kindest people I've met. So very, very welcome. Um, And then he's from out there. So he has, you know, high school, middle school friend base, as well as like a college base and so on and so forth. So I just got overloaded with so many friends that I just met in like 72 hours. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone was so sweet and I've heard about them for so long. Um, And then it was nice to finally put faces to the names, personalities, to the stories and all of that. But as an introvert, part of me is just so excited to be kind of back and have a moment to recharge, but definitely an amazing weekend. You say you're an introvert? I'm an extroverted introvert. Okay. (laughs) Meaning like I don't mind socializing. I like it. But in order to reset, like I definitely need to be by myself. And if I don't get that moment to reset, I don't think anyone should be around me. No, I get you. Yeah, we all need to kind of like a moment to reset. Cool. Okay. And then did you feel like you got a lot of work done while you were over there? You got a little bit or anything? So I was in Cabo before and I was able to like kind of balance out a little bit better the time difference with me being my office being in the East Coast and being out West because there was only a two hour difference. And that didn't seem like as big of a deal. So when I was working at seven in the morning Cabo time, it was 9 a.m. East Coast time. And that was totally fine. But then when I was in San Francisco, it was a three hour time difference. And so like waking up five, six in the morning to match the time out there just absolutely sucked. And I was starting to get messages at three, four in the morning from like the project manager from this person or from that person. And I was like, oh my gosh. So there was a couple, there was a couple of times I was definitely waking up a little bit earlier than everyone just to get stuff done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Did you get stuff done or not? You kind of like, yeah. yeah, I needed to. I don't think I really had a choice. Luckily, everyone was like really understanding about it. But I don't know if you all remember, but it was we had a flood. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to do all the repairs in order to be able to open in three weeks. That includes like getting that inspector in so I can get that certificate of occupancy. Now that we're in the midst of those repairs, we're just dealing with the insurance, trying to get the air gas people to finally come in and like cabinets. And it's all like the decisions that you have to make. And I'm like, okay, I have to make it by 8 a.m. through your time, but I need to look at everything. So like, let me wake up at 3, 4 San Francisco time and yeah. I'll like get everything to you. Just give me like one moment. Yeah, that's a lot. I know yeah. um, before we started recording, you were kind of saying like how you brought your laptop and 
you were like, I'm going to get a lot done. But it's harder, I think, especially when you're like, let's just say you're on vacation, right? You're trying to get that done. I think it's hard, but it's even harder if you're like, your mission for travel is not business. You know what I mean? I think like I realized maybe it's just the way I operate from or how I've always operated, but I do better in like a time crunch. So knowing I only had those like couple hours before everyone else woke up, I was like, all right, let me get everything out. Boom, boom, boom. And then I think the idea of bringing my laptop on the six hour flight was just an utter fail because it was too much time available to me. I mean, granted, I also just didn't want to pay for the internet, which was its own thing. But I'm also wondering if I did get like truly free internet, would I have been like as productive as I would have been in like a two hour time span? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, are you the type of person where you're like, okay, yeah, I'll buy the $2,000 thing. And then they're like, and if you want it like with insurance or something, it's going to be like an extra 10 bucks. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I don't need that. Like 100%. (laughs) Like, okay, there is totally a way. I'll sit there and I'm like, all right, there has to be a way that I can like avoid those extra costs. And so I'll wait either for the sale. I'll look for all those promo codes. There's just like something about it that's just so irking to me. Yeah, like the extra you're like on, like Amazon's, hey, do you want the Affirm insurance or whatever for this thing? And you're like, no, five bucks. Yeah, right. That's Now it's too much. Thousand is fine. Thousand five dollars? No, it's too much now. I feel like whenever I'm on the plane, right, and I decide to like watch a movie or like kind of space out or something. Do you feel like you become more productive after that? You're like, oh, I needed that. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I think my mind is just like, go, go, go all the time. And I think right now it's like really intensely going, go, go, go all the time. So trying to find those like little pockets of time to like kind of numb my brain down so that activity sort of chills out. It's totally watching like reality TV shows, a movie or something like that. And then after I like get that moment to reset, suddenly that to-do list, while it's still like really long, it just seems like a little bit more attainable or like at least a little bit more structured while before it's like my mind's like spastic and going everywhere. Yeah, I feel like we're at those times we're like, we're running on fumes kind of thing, right? And we're not as productive or we're not doing great things. And then we're just doing things when we could probably be recharging and then like for that one hour, be like mega productive, you know? I don't know, this is my thought. Actually, um, I when I was in Cabo, I was reading Atomic Habits. Um, I read it before, but it was like years ago. So I think like when I was a student, it didn't really hit me as well. Um, but now that it's there, just like those ideas of like kind of creating those like small moments in the day, I'm trying to be a little bit more mindful of it because I'm pretty sure as soon as this office opens, I'm, I'm sure tons of things are going to be coming my way. So I'm just trying to figure out like right now, while it's not as chaotic, to find a way to kind of handle those sort of moments. I read it and I'm like, yeah, duh. <laughs> like, of course, a habit is formed this way. But then I think when you try to implement it into your actual like day, you sort of realize how difficult it actually can be. Yeah. I thought it was really true when he says we tend to stick to habits more when they make our identity kind of thing, right? So if it's like, oh, I love working out. So you're going to make sure you work out because you made it part of your identity or whatever. I thought that was kind of um, pretty interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, to be honest. The whole working out one was there. Um, I think they also related to diet. I'm going to eat healthy so that I can be like skinny. And that is like your identity, like being like a skinny person. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of like an interesting way to like view habits. I guess sometimes like we're always trying to be productive because we're like, hey, I want to be that productive person. I want to be the person who's go, go, go all the time and can get X, Y, Z done. Maybe that's not actually the best habit to have. (laughs) Yeah. If you think about it, in the long run, like the people who are cool or like closest to you, who really like you, they don't like that habit about you. Like, yeah, you're always go, go. It's good when we need it. Not all the time. You know what I mean? Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. 
I think it always comes from trying to prove yourself, I guess, to like everyone else and maybe even to yourself. I think sometimes when I'm going through this process, I want to feel like I've achieved and be able to say, hey, I got through my list. I only have two more things left to do. Ooh, I'm so cool. And then the reality is, is like, it's okay. Someone else needs to know about how many things are on my to-do list. I know, yeah. Sometimes I just <laughs> add like easy things on my to-do list to be like, yeah, check that off. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it feels so good. About yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It feels good. Where do you think that comes from, Naomi, from you when it comes to like, I need to feel productive? I genuinely think it's proving myself what you were just saying, like an identity thing. For you, I need to prove myself. Where does that come from? I think childhood, 100%. I think I've always had to like prove myself. When I was in elementary school, like even going back that far, it was, oh, this girl, she can't do math. And I was like, yes, I can. And boom, I had to like show myself like, oh, this girl can't, I don't know, play tennis. And it's, yes, I can. And it's like those little things about trying to just prove that I actually can do something and I'm just as good as everyone else. I think all of us, at least like my friends in dental school, like when we've talked about this, you just want to prove that you can get those grades, that you deserve to be there. I think just getting through these lists just further proves like I'm capable, that I belong here and I can do this. And I'm like, who am I showing this to? Yeah. No one gives a crap. <laughs> Did someone tell you you can't? Do your own practice or you can't own your own business or something? Or? Um, I don't think anyone's like flat out told me directly like that, but I think I've gotten questioned by people who don't really understand the space or, you know, maybe owning a business or anything of that sort is just not for them. It's like, oh, but don't you want a family in the future? Oh, but are you going to be able to like have a life outside of this? Oh, like what about this? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> It's weird. It's It really just depends on who you're talking to. I think most of my immediate friends are like gung-ho hype people that are like, yeah, you can do it. Like you can do everything you want. You might not be able to be 100% in everything, but like you can definitely do it. But I've definitely had people who are like, oh, I don't know. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you trying to prove yourself? Why are you doing X, Y, Z? Why are you traveling? And I'm like, all right, just leave me alone. Yeah. If people ask me like, why are you traveling? I'm like, why, why not? Open up your mind. I don't know. I just feel like that would be a weird one. When it comes to the atomic habits or habits, what are some habits you're looking to build or implement or be consistent with throughout this um, process and this year? Maintaining time to myself. And I know that sounds silly, but I realized, I think, especially in these like past few months, how much I really need structure to my day. And part of that is, for example, working out. It's so easy to just be like, oh, hey, I don't want to do this. I don't feel like working out today. And um, it really does make like a massive like impact on me, both like in the dental chair, like working with kids, you're bent over in odd positions, like just trying to do what you have to do. But it was hard for me to want to be active. I think my natural tendency is I have so much I have to do. I'm going to sit on this couch, do whatever it is I have to do. Like this is more important than those like 30 minutes of activity. And, you know, it works for a month or two, but I don't feel great about myself. But anytime I do actually actively try to make that decision to do Pilates specifically is like what I really like. I just leave feeling so much better and like ready to take on the day. And that mental shift, it's almost like a high. You keep forgetting like how good it feels. Um, so I'm trying to be a lot better about making sure I schedule something a certain amount of times a week, almost like a meeting mm. and just going for it. Yeah. So then how many times a week are you doing that? Um, Pilates, my goal is three because I realized in person is just like way better for me with those sort of classes. Um, and just personally, I want to get a little bit better at yoga just for flexibility, tight hips, that sort of stuff. My goal is at least one time a day right now or one time a week. So four times a week, I think is good for me. 
and probably more realistic because if I make it too high, I'm going to feel really crappy about myself. Yeah. <laughs> so somewhere I read, I, there's this um newsletter that I'm, I'm a part of. It's called like the Farnham Street or I forgot. It's pretty cool. Anyways, they spoke about how sometimes when it comes to exercising, it's better to do it daily because if you do it like, I don't know if I agree or disagree with this, but if you do it like two or three times a week, you have time in your mind or space where you're like, I'll do it for the, tomorrow. I'll do it for the next day. And you know what I mean? I still have four days during the week to do it. Don't worry. And then you start skipping and skipping. But if you have a commitment where it's like every day, if your system fails, you just go with routine, right? So you're just like, oh, oh well, the routine is I have to go no matter what. I have to go no matter what. There's no time to, for the system to fail kind of thing. Does that yeah, that's really interesting. I should like, so my boyfriend, he does it like basically every day. Um, specifically, he just likes to run for 20 minutes and then do whatever he likes to do in the gym. But he despises running hates it, does it, but he still sticks to it. And I remember like asking him being like, why do you keep doing this? If you're miserable, why are you doing something? Even if it's 20 minutes that you like just absolutely dislike. He's like, it doesn't even have to be running like any sort of cardio I'm going to dislike. So it's just like getting there, doing it. It's just become such a part of the routine now that I don't want to sway away from it because I think it's just going to upheave like everything. To your point, I think if you make it part of your day or figure out to make it even part of your week, you are going to stick with it. So with the office opening up soon, I'm going to be in Connecticut while like I still live here in New York. My goal and the reason I had said the four days a week was because with Connecticut, there is that commute aspect. And I'm sure I will find any excuse to get out of working out on those days. I told myself any day I'm in New York, I have to work out. Whether it's like a long walk even, like I have to do some sort of activity. And yeah. so that's what I'm going to start with. And then hopefully I'll be able to like also include Connecticut into that. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't do even work out every day, but I just thought like that, what your boyfriend said, like the routine. Right. And I remember when we were at the making of a dental startup, there was an, another guy, I forget his name. Sorry if you're listening, man, I forgot your name, but you were like the biggest swollest guy in the gym. So you, I know, you know who I'm talking about. Like, I know, you know who he is or who you are, <laughs> but um, it's all about just the routine right now. Cause he probably could have lifted hundreds. Right. And he's like, there's no hundreds here. What the heck? There's no point. Right. But he was just like, it's all about the routine. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's a good way to look at it, right? When your system fails, something we can all like, I think, think about whenever it's business or anything, you know? Oh, totally. I think I usually like to gift like books, if anything, for people. I think I might start to give Atomic Habit as like the book I want to give to people. Like, I just think it's such a great read. So. Yeah, super, super. One thing I really like about him is well, everything else, but like, you know, it's only him and his assistant. What do you mean? He doesn't have a big team. He doesn't have anything like that. It's just him. And one assistant really? for everything. Yeah, yeah. So oh I was, gosh. I heard of that and I was like, man, he must be really intentional with what he's doing. You know what I mean? Or else he'd be spread thin, but. Wow. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Anyways. All right. Let's dive into the floor plan. Let's talk about <laughs> everything with that has to entail, including construction costs. So how much has construction costs been to date? Okay. So when I was initially bidded, it was close to like. For I think I want to say like for 49. So nothing like too wild. But since then, it's definitely closer to about like 25% more. So I would say upwards of the 575 at this point. It's been a lot. Is there a limit? No. What do you mean? What bank were you with again? I was with like a local bank. Here. Okay, never mind, never mind. Because you know how like Bank of America or other banks, they kind of like allocate. They're like, okay, no, you you reached almost at this point for that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right? 
Well, so far, um, what's good about working with a smaller bank, at least in my experience, has been there is like the construction loan as part of the loan, but it's a little bit more fluid. So the reason they gave me more working capital was to account for these random changes that like might be happening with the construction bids and everything as we move forward. So luckily, I haven't been dealing with some of the stories I'm hearing about through Bank of America and um, Wells Fargo, where I heard that they are like, oh, we're only giving you 500000 The rest you got to figure out. Yeah. Luckily, I haven't been in that boat, thankfully. <laughs> so I am an advocate for these small banks. If you that's can nice. Get it. No, that's really, really good. When, you, when it comes to your floor plan, did you design it? How'd you design it? How did you come up with it? So this was actually like kind of hard. I really cared about the design of the practice, like with kids, um, something as simple as like a sharp edge versus like a rounded edge, all of that sort of stuff um, really mattered to me. You see pictures of the office, you'll see that like, I don't have like many sharp edges. Everything has been rounded off. Um, the design has been placed around kind of like arch shapes or circle shapes. So I knew that was something I really wanted. Um, that was part of the experience, part of experiencing Little Denty. Mm-hmm. So I definitely wanted to find a designer I could work with. Problem was, is I didn't know if I had the budget to do that. So there's actually, um, the office is called Smile, S-M-Y-L. They were on making of. Oh, Mitchell McTeer. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smile, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I was listening to his episode and he worked with a designer called Studio Gale. And I remember marking it down. And I reached out to them and I just love their work. Honestly, like they're a husband and wife, Corey and Rebecca. They are just absolutely fantastic Um, from a design perspective, from like both floor plans as well as like interior design. They're just honestly the sweetest people like ever. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful that like I got that connect to them. So they cost around like 10,000 in order just to do like the floor plan, I believe. And that might have included, that's Corey's role. And that might have included Rebecca helping with like finishes for like the flooring, the lights and all that stuff. I so early on in the process was a little bit worried about bringing that on only because I didn't know what was going to happen as we continued the rest of the process. And I didn't want to worry about $10,000 being used early on for something that could have helped me like actually open on time. So Beacon the construction company that I work with, um, they have in-house designers. So if you work with them for the design, they'll credit back whatever you paid for that towards the build-out costs. So there was a guy named John Malone that worked with them. I guess John was someone that had his own dental design thing and then Beacon hired him in-house or something of the sort. And he was fantastic to work with. I think he just like really understood what I was trying to do. Um, you know, we went through a lot of changes just because of the realistic nature of like my space, but he was absolutely amazing. And so I'm grateful that like I had that opportunity and I didn't land up with something cookie cutter because I would have been so disappointed. Yeah. How do you know if it's cookie cutter or not? Cookie cutter to me, it was just like, I don't know, something that there wasn't much thought to. So it's you could just like have a hallway and then 90 degree, you make it to a right. And like, I think more often than not, you see cookie cutter designs come from these like dental supply groups like Patterson, you know, like when you work with them, they're just trying to figure out a way for the equipment to fit in. There's not much thought into like the design, like something rounded or flow and things like that. Gotcha. So then what changes did you and uh, like John Malone have to implement? He kind of gave me like some good advice. Like when we first had our intro call together, he said, create a list of things that you absolutely want. 
Do you want an entrance and an exit? Do you want an employee exit? Do you want the bath and employees to have their own bathroom? Do you want your own private bathroom? Do you want just like all these things that might be your wants? And then also at the same time, write your own cons, things that you absolutely do not want in your office whatsoever. It doesn't matter. And then in those wants specifically, make it the absolute must. Like these are non-negotiables. And then you can kind of start to rank the other ones as to, all right, if I don't get like a separate exit, is it the end of the world? If I don't get my own private bathroom, is it the end of the world? So that's basically what I did. And I think it really helped navigate what was actually important to me. So initially, I really wanted separate entrance for the patients and a checkout area. I didn't want them to be using like the same door. Mm -hmm. I just thought the flow would be better. I wanted my patients and my employees to have like separate bathrooms. I personally just worked in offices where everyone used the same like one or two bathrooms and it just, I don't know, as an employee, it just didn't feel very nice. Why? Um, Why didn't that feel nice? I don't know. It just like kind of felt gross. Like, (laughs) I know that's so weird, but it's my first office. The one that I used to work in in Connecticut, there was only two bathrooms for like all these employees, all the doctors, all the patients that just went through. And I was like, man, like, don't I get like a little bit of a private space? Everyone sees when I'm like in and out. of. I don't know. I would just, can it be like hidden away from the patients? Okay, okay, now I get it. Now, (laughs) at first I was like, are you above? No, just kidding. No, I get, I 100% get you where you're walking out and then like the kids see you. You're like, I'm next. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, Like, you know what I mean? If it's me, I'm like, man, you got to give it like, 10 minutes before you get in there kind of thing, you know? And then the yeah. patient's coming in like, then you sit them down and the patient's looking at you like, I just know, I know what you did. I know what you did in there kind of thing, right? So it's, it's weird. Well, I get you. Yeah. And there's so many weird things, especially with kids. Like parents are changing diapers in the bathroom. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. It was just like nice to have my own space. I haven't really gotten that in any other office I worked in. So I guess maybe that's a norm. Anyways, there was like those sort of things. The one thing I was adamant about, though, was like that bathroom just being separate. Luckily, my building has bathrooms in the hallways for anyone who like comes in. So I'm using that as like the patient bathrooms. And then I kept one employee bathroom for just the employees. Cool. Okay. So those are the things, I guess, how did you know what you absolutely wanted? Did you do research or was it just through experience? Like how? It was definitely experience. I think just working in various offices just naturally over time, like I would always be like, oh, I don't like this. This is so annoying. If I had my own office, I would do this. So it was like little things like that. For example, once again, in that Connecticut office, no heat to this office. It's just things I picked up were very different. They only had one entrance and exit. So it was a little bit chaotic at the front desk um, just because they didn't have a separate person just for checkout. They didn't have a separate person for check-ins. So there would be like mishmash of so many people in like the waiting room just causing like chaos. It was little things like that I just was picking up on. I'm like, how can I solve that in my design and all of that? Gotcha. Okay. And then what were like the cons? I didn't want my office space, like my personal office to be shared with anyone. So I was in my other offices, like the doctor's space and the admin, like even office manager were shared. That was an immediate no. I need my own space. That is absolutely a non-negotiable there. Then I also didn't want all everything to be private. So I was like, I need the balance between an open bay as well as like private rooms. I didn't want all private things like that. And then a small reception. I was like, I want something like big enough so I have enough staff so I'm not dealing with chaos. My, my space is like 2,500 square feet. Or a little over it, but the usable is only 1800. I was like using 
my space for the patients and parents and like the kiddos screaming and all that stuff. I just didn't want a small little office and like dealing with not having space for uh, expansion. So reception was like an area that I was like, I want something bigger. Okay. Why didn't you want private offices? I think that there with kids, you bring families. So like it'll be like siblings kind of coming together and I'm going to use the Connecticut office again. You hate that outfit. No, no, I feel so bad that I'm like saying this, but they used to do cleanings in the private rooms and the hygiene area. And this was just the way the office like particularly ran. It was eight and older. That was only with hygiene. I know other offices will do three, four onwards. Anyways, there would be a family of three in these like private rooms. Basically, um, you know, you're doing back-to-back cleanings. It was just like chaotic. It felt so tight with so many people like in the room. Mm-hmm. I just feel having an open bay allows for like better fluidity. Put families there. You can put them next to each other. It was just things like that. I was like, I just don't want to deal with this. I hate like claustrophobic feelings. And I uh-huh. hate like, I just, yeah. yeah. Those little things were just like super important. I just wanted fluidity. Yeah, no, I get you. And then what changed where you're like, oh, that was, you know what I mean? It was like almost on the want list where you're like, crap. Yeah. So one of them was where the employee bathroom is. I just thought it would be nicer to be able to separate the two where I have the employee room and then I have the bathroom. And unfortunately, just with the spacing and like plumbing sort of stuff like in the building, the employee bathroom had to be put in the employee room. So it was like the best compromise I could basically make. But like wherever people are eating lunch, there's like a bathroom in there as well. And it's the employee's little section. How Um, big is the employee room? Oh, I don't know. I think it's pretty sizable, though, because I'm putting a washer dryer in there. There's going to be like the closet. It's a pretty good space compared to the other offices I've worked in. Gotcha. Okay. That's not not like super bad. But it was like annoying because I really didn't want to do that. The other thing is like I didn't I wanted a separate employee entrance so that they wouldn't like walk through the Mm. reception. That just didn't work out. Also, with the layout, my landlord requires like particular doors to be installed so that everyone has like a unison look and those doors are stupidly pricey. So it would have cost me an additional like $7,000 to put that door in. And I was like, yeah, not worth it. Yeah. So next. Um, next. Then the other one was where my personal office is. I personally have noticed when I practice, I like to escape Sometimes like I'll escape to like the back room to check the x-rays there versus like in, you know, in the midst of the office. Kind of just have a moment to like see it myself. And I don't really know why. It's just kind of like maybe how I operate. So in my mind, I was like, great, that would be like towards the back. No one can see me. I can just go back there. But I just couldn't make it happen. Um, Mm. So my personal office is basically right off the reception. Okay, good. Yeah, I can see that because I remember like sometimes patients would get there like really early like before mm-hmm. lunch or whatever, and you're still having lunch and then you're walking in and sometimes they'd say like, oh, I'm here before you or like, you're late. I'm here. You know what I mean? And it's kind of, you know, late, but you're just really early, dude. Yeah. I think that can be kind so of going. I think that's going to be an adjustment for me because if I walk out of the office, like I'll see the people in the waiting room versus that's usually the place I try to avoid. So. <laughs> <laughs> try to avoid. So that's not ideal, but yeah. yeah. So I'm happy. I was able to fit three chairs in there. I got my two private op rooms and then I got a third one that it's either going to turn into an infant room or in the future it could turn into an op room if I really, really need it. Okay, so. that's pretty good. That's good. And then yeah. any unexpected construction costs so far? 
Yeah. So when they're going through the bids or basically when you're given sort of like your proposal, they kind of give you average pricing of like things like permits, kind of the cost to bring in like different people. And so maybe it's just like where I'm opening up in Connecticut, but like the town of Darien was a little bit pricier. So permit costs have been a little bit more expensive um, than expected. I would say it's come out to four to $5,000 more than if you remember from like past conversations we've had, but my landlord has just been like kind of like a pain to work with. So one of the things has been like electric. That electric cost cost me an additional like $28,000. I know. And then um, these doors that he wants, when we were going through the negotiations and the design for this place, we asked if we could have more than just like the entrance in my space, like leading out to the hallway. We just wanted to make sure it was okay to put other doors. He was like, yeah, as long as it matches all the other glass doors there. My building was like a new build out space, like just in general, everyone that's moving in, we're all first timers in the location. So at the time that we were going through these negotiations, they were your standard glass doors that you can get from like any construction company, Home Depot, like whatever. So I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. It might cost like an extra couple hundred, not a big deal. No, the doors that he chose were like these bougie, all technical electric, like every, the door unlocks and opens like through my phone, through like a, it's definitely high end, but these doors cost like $7,500 each. And I was like, excuse me. So that was like an additional, I think with the insulation, plus like all the electric part that has to go through the door and the door itself, it came out to 10,000. Man. So that's, let me ask you, how do you think, or could it have been? But how do you think some of this could have been prevented? I think one thing is, and I guess I was just very unaware of it because I haven't personally spoken to people or heard about this being as much of an issue as it was for me, getting the specifics down with the Mm -hmm. landlord at the get-go. If they're requiring you to have like specific doors, for example, specific blind colors to match like the outside of like everywhere else, specific door handles, which is another thing that like my landlord apparently wants. Getting those specifics down early on, I think, are so essential because also it helps your construction company too. Like they're making all these orders. And then lo and behold, we're finding out like some of the stuff that we're ordering. We didn't even know that the landlord needed or wanted like something even more specific than what we got. And then it's just cost of labor and all those prices going up. So yeah, that was like not at all what I was expecting. I almost would have thought that if you were... I guess maybe from like just like a practicality and ethics point of view, if you're requiring your tenants to have something so specific, I think you should be telling them exactly what you need. So that part isn't making sense to me. Yeah, because I was going to say, how do you know, like, I mean, you can go down a rabbit hole on specifics, right? Like we were like, well, you know what I mean? And write all these things out. But how specific do you have to get where it doesn't sound too ridiculous? I know some people do these like strip malls or like sidewalk like sort of places. Mine is a medical building, one of those style buildings. So I don't really know if it's just like my type of space. But I think if they're like requiring like certain design decisions and certain stuff, which you'll find out during the lease process, you need to get as specific as possible and ask them to like list everything. I think that's the only way like you would have true awareness. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then how did you find your construction company Beacon? It was through the Facebook groups, actually, the making of a dental startup Facebook mm-hmm. group. I think I was just looking, I typed in like contractor, general contractor, that sort of stuff. And I was just like trying to get an idea of what people had used. Beacon came up a few times and I tried doing like my own research just to sort of see. I asked Carr if they knew anybody. All I knew is like I wanted to go in with someone who had dental experience. 
that was a non-negotiable for me. I think like with our field, plumbing especially is like such a big thing that like use the wrong angle on this. It could cause like so much havoc for you and like annoying expenses down the line. I don't know anything about opening my own office. I don't know all those like nitty gritty details. So I wanted to be with someone who actually has done it. So I paid like a little bit probably pricier of an amount versus maybe just going with a GC. How much was your amount? I think when they first bid me, it was 49 or $499. Yeah. And you were bidding against others or no? I spoke to a couple of others and they were cheaper, but it wasn't so much more. My building specifically, um, Tribus, I believe is a construction company that they use. And most of the tenants in the space had used them as well. There was a dental group above me, actually. It's their second location and they use Tribus. But their construction company had no, never built a dental office before. So they kept coming down to my guys and asking like questions about like, how do I do this? What do you think of this? And I was like, what? That's so insane. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. Wait, so there's a dental group above you now? Okay. An adult one. I, know, I yeah. know. Yeah. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. Okay. So then they were asking uh, Beacon how to do things. So did you find bids for other companies and you're like, okay, let me present this to Beacon so I can lower my price a little bit or no? No. Genuinely, like their price point when they came back at me was very reasonable for like what I was getting based off of like the square footage and like the Connecticut area and stuff. I forget like the exact numbers, but I think the general average like you tend to hear is between like 175 to 210 per square foot for like a build out with a general contractor. And I was getting around like 220. So it wasn't like drastically different. And for me, just a dental experience. And to be honest, that part of Beacon has been amazing. Working with them, all of that stuff. Like, I just feel like safe that they know what they're doing. They've guided yeah. me through a lot. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. They're the ones who work with Corey and Rebecca? No, um, they worked with John Malone. Corey and Rebecca of Studio Gale. Like, I found them out through my own. But with that being said, I brought Corey and Rebecca on for lighting and finishes. And... That's when Beacon and Studio Gale have started talking and they have now such a good relationship. Like Beacon raves about them. They are definitely like some of the best people like I've worked with. Corey responds right away. Rebecca is really great. So I think it just speaks volumes to like who Studio Gale really is. They're fantastic. Yeah. Studio Gale. Wow. Okay. And then John Malone, was he the architect you said or who was he? He was the guy who basically did my design. Um, Beacon mm. has like in-house architects, I think, just like kind of take it and just make sure all those like little nitty gritty details. So I didn't have to hire my own architect, luckily. That's cool. Okay, so then looking back or looking forward, what mistakes or things do you feel you possibly missed or maybe you didn't take into consideration? Storage. I definitely accounted for it as much as I could. I guess I kept thinking like, oh, if my ceilings are like nine foot high, like my stuff is only going to be six feet high. So that means I have two to three extra feet like yeah. above it, vertical. But sterilization specifically, I don't know if others feel this way, but like it's that one part of the job that's like the least I know. Mm-hmm. And I guess I didn't really take into account that flow that well. I was like, okay, yeah, just like put storage, like whatever needs to be done. All I know is let's put some cabinets in there, but I also know I want open shelving and blah, blah, blah. I've accounted for it. I'm trying to like work with what I got, but I do wish I was a little bit better about storage for sure. There's not enough right now? I can see it being an issue or I'm going to have to just be like very good about like how I handle things. Luckily, like I'm not, you kind of tend to use the same stuff over and over again. 
But I also can totally see me running into some issues down the line. I think it's going to be one of those things I have to figure out as I go. I'm personally a minimalist, so it's like hard for me to think that. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not going to have tons of things. I'm like, oops. Are you a minimalist like with your whole life or your like place or how? Um, More my place. I don't think life, (laughs) but I do like the idea of not having too much. I think I've accumulated over the years. And as I've been like letting go, it's just been like nicer and nicer to have less and less. Even little things like I have patient tote bags for all the new patients. There's like 500 tote bags. Where am I going to be putting them all? How am I going to be doing this? It's like little things like that sort of storage that like I'm trying to figure out. So luckily, like, you know, it's just going to be me and someone else initially. So like my admin office that I created is like going to be empty at first. So I'm just going to use whatever space I currently have and then figure out how I'm going to build out from there. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Yeah, man, you're going to have to really think about that. I asked that because like I like to say like I'm a minimalist. So I'm like, yeah, I only have a specific amount of shirts. And then my wife's like, you have five white shirts, same white <laughs> shirts all the time. And you are one for every day. And I'm like, all right. So I, Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, And I wear like the same other one all the time. You know what I mean? Instead of the other. So I'm not one, but I like to think I am. But we have so many seasons out here. So I've been like, OK, these are my winter clothes. Anything I do not wear more than once, I am tossing. I think over the past couple of years, seasonally, my stuff has been getting like a little bit less and less. A little but, bit like better and better. Yeah. Uh-huh. But meanwhile, like if you sat in my apartment right now, you would not be thinking I'm a minimalist <laughs> or like have that because like I have so much crap everywhere right now. Just the volume of things I've been ordering has been like insane. So like looking at this corner of my apartment, I don't even want to look at it. It stresses me out. Oh, yeah, that's true. So then that's going to be the feel of your office, kind of like a minimalist. Yeah, minimalist. I've kind of taken that route. I I just personally don't do well in clutter. I get very overwhelmed. And I, I don't know. I don't think you need that much. I have the colorfulness. I have fun stuff for the kids these days, like with the TV, the goodie bags and all that stuff. But I don't feel like I need to like fill, for example, my waiting room with tons of toys and like arcade games and like all that stuff. I don't know. Not my cup of tea. I'm not trying to keep the kids around in the office for more than like an hour. So yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. That'd yeah. be nice. Yeah. Start crying and everything like that. But awesome. Yeah. Okay. So what else? What's next? So I feel these next three weeks are going to be like a little bit insane. <laughs> I still have to buy all my office supplies, like printers, like even my own desk still. It just feels like there's so many like little things I have to do. But my first employee is going to be starting with me in a few days, which is exciting. So I'm going to start like training her. We're going to do a bunch of onboarding things together. Um, I was trying to figure out how I want to actually use her because I do really want her to I want her to get to know the office from the nitty gritty is like the inside out. So I kind of, I want her to start like researching into local businesses, being the face a little bit to go out and introduce herself to the office because it's not always going to be me. Little things like that. I'm just trying to figure out how I want this to like go, but I'm excited and also freaked out that someone is going to be relying on me for a paycheck. (laughs) It sounds cool, but then you're like, when they're actually relying on you, you're like, oh man. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So that part's happening. My understanding is we're going to be having the inspector come in very shortly. So hopefully I get like my certificate of occupancy soon. And now just planning in all these like little last minute things, the onboarding stuff, the photo shoots. Right now I'm also trying to figure out social media. So Mm, oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think this is a week I'm going to be going hard with Facebook ads, Google AdWord and all that stuff that's going to be starting this week. So hopefully I'll have some updates as to how that's going. But Right now, I'm just trying to tackle the social media aspect as much as possible. Yeah. Look into the 
pediatric marketing dental marketing course. Oh, and all covers totally. that whole social media side. So like to plan yeah. it on your own, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, no. So I did do that. I actually decided to, last week I decided to hire someone for the first few months um, just because I'm realizing I don't think I have that capacity in me right now. I don't want to be spending too much time on it, but I do plan on taking it over again or like maybe decreasing her role once things like settle down like a little bit more. I think unfortunately, just like with these three weeks, it's just going to be too insane for me to focus. Yeah. So no, yeah, I, but I, I agree. I think it's something I can definitely take on that part of the course. I listen to it. It's really good. So yeah, I'm going to be implementing parts of it. One thing like this is just me. This is just me. I mean, you can be like, Michael, this is stupid. I don't care what you say that I realize is at first we did hire like people outside. They never really got what I wanted to right? the brand, the image, the copy, whatever. I'm just like, it's not there, but it's good enough. When it came to the wanting that, right? Because, you know, what do they go on there? And then they're like, hey, little Denti is like this and that. We're the best. And you're like, we sound too salesy, right? So then you kind of have to go through like all that hiccups. Maybe if you want, like for the first week, record yourself in a loom or whatever, literally writing it out like a post, how you do it, how you do everything like that. And then boom, you made like a system. And then you're like, this is how I want things to look, right? So they have like an outline and map and then um, kind of go from there. That's actually so interesting. Yeah. Like I never thought about it from that point of view. I've been, I think one of the hardest things I've been having is to communicate like the brand. Like I tried to create a deck. I've tried to do all that stuff just to say, what are my pillars? Like here's some visuals, like my website's done. Um, You know, here are some like assets that I have. But when I got this first back of these are the posts for the month of January up until opening, I was so disappointed. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this me? What is going on? And I asked a couple of friends, I was like, is it me? Or is this, I'm just being picky or something of the sort. And I got like some constructive feedback. So I'm actually going to be talking to her after you and I finish chatting. And I think that's a really great idea. Maybe that is something I I should do and like let her know like, hey, I'm going to be doing this. Take the feedback, see how I'm trying to sound. Yeah. And take it from there. I love that. Don't do like a whole month's worth or like even a week's worth even, right? Like just like depending on how many posts you do a day or whatever like a one or whatever and just record it that way she doesn't have or he doesn't have any like you know what I mean kind of like oh well I'm still trying to figure it out you're like I recorded it for you you know kind of thing no no that's really great because I think also just say if things don't work out with her or someone else I have that to give that's like a great educational tool I can give to someone else as well for the next person yeah yeah so awesome awesome Naomi alrighty so then sign is out all right well this is Naomi I'm part of Little Denti. We have our Instagram going to be launching, and I promise it'll be good social media after this call. <laughs> We're at Little Denti Smiles. And then my personal Instagram is Dr. Naomi Sadani. Awesome, guys. So go, sorry, I cut off your outro. Continue. Oh, I was saying this is the making of. The making of what? Little Denti. Well, I swear I need to write this down and. I'll finally get it on the very last episode. I promise. (laughs) It's a thing. It's a thing. No, but awesome, guys. So check out her links in the show notes below and talk to you next week, Naomi. Bye. See you soon.